This is Christ, Culture, and Coffee, a podcast designed to help equip Christians to be able to defend their faith and be confident in their faith. Hello, thank you for joining us today on Christ, Culture, and Coffee, and we are back with another episode for you guys today. Yes, I'm Robbie Lashua, and my co-host here is Tyler Hurley. Yes, thanks for joining us today. We are very excited to get into this topic. We are going to be discussing critical theory today. Yeah, crash crash course on critical theory. Yes. Right? That sounds good. Mm-hmm. Crash, culture, crash. Christ, Culture, Coffee, Crash Course, Critical Theory. Try to, you know, to say that multiple times fast. Yeah, that is yeah. hard. It was hard for me to say <laughs> once, you know, right? But yeah, we, we got to talk about this because this is a big mm-hmm. issue in our culture. And you hear the term critical theory all over the place. Yeah. But I, a lot of times I don't think people know what it is. So we want to just kind of give a crash course on what it is, um, yeah, some resources yeah. on where people can go, uh, because we do think it'll help you think biblically and think critically about a lot of things that are going on in our critically. culture. Critically. I like critically. that. Critically. Yeah. You like that C? <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Before we do that, though, what do we have? A coffee tip. Coffee as tip. Always. We start every episode. Uh, with a coffee tip. I am drinking some Kona coffee today. Oh, nice. That's not the tip. That's just a, an yeah, honorable just a mention. Cool fact. There it you is go. a cool fact. Anyway, here is your coffee tip for the day. And this is really, uh, there's, a, there's a couple different directions you could go with this. So the big idea for the coffee tip of the day is if you are making drip coffee, like in a traditional coffee maker, or even if you're doing a pour over into a single cup, you really should stir the coffee before you start drinking it. And okay. here, here's why. Um, in, in a pour over or in a traditional drip coffee maker, um, once the water starts going in and extracting the flavors, mm. um, it, it dilutes the beans. It sucks flavor out of them, right? And then more water yeah, gets yeah. thrown on top and keeps sucking more flavor out of them. So the first wa- part of the water that was in the beans that weren't diluted with water right. sucks out a lot of flavor and oils. And then the next group of water gets poured on top and it, it doesn't have as much to suck out because like a tea bag, you know, if you use a tea bag like three or four times, it loses its flavor. Yeah, exactly. Same thing sense. with coffee. And so what happens in your coffee pot or in your, your mug that you're doing a pour over in is you'll literally have the strongest coffee at the bottom of the cup or of the pot, and then you'll have it layered with less strong coffee. Mm. So what you need to do is you need to stir it so that it all gets blended together. Yeah, that makes sense. Because if you're just drinking it right off the top, it'll be light tasting, and then you'll get to the bottom and it'll be stronger. Mm, so okay. stir it. Now, one thing I do at my house... Uh, I'll be brewing coffee and we've got one of those coffee makers you can pull out and then it like stops the water from falling, you know, and you got to put the pot back in for it to start again. So I'll brew coffee and I'll brew like two cups in the pot. That's the strongest coffee of the entire pot, right? Yeah. Sometimes I'll take that, I'll pour it in my cup and (laughs) then I'll put the pot back under to get the strongest coffee. And dude, it does. It tastes different from the rest of it. Oh, I'm sure it does. Like big time. That doesn't surprise me if you do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of cool. So if you want really strong coffee, steal the first couple of cups out of your coffee pot. But if you're not going to do that, make sure you stir wow. everything in the coffee pot to get a well-rounded flavor of the entire wow. pot of coffee. Wow, okay. Well, that's the tip uh, yeah, for the that's day. interesting. Yeah, it is. It's kind of it's kind of a cool tip, but I'm it's, try that uh, out then. it's important. You should try it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, on to the topic for today. Again, we are going to be discussing critical theory. And now there's a, a lot to dive into with this. So uh, to start off, I'm going to kind of define what critical theory is. All right, here we go. Yeah. So critical theory divides the world into two groups, the oppressed and the oppressors. Okay. 
These distinctions are made according to race, class, sex, sexual orientation, gender identity, physical ability, age, weight, and et cetera, right? Yep. It's different categories of who people are or yep. what they do in regular life or how they were born, different social aspects of people. Yep. It breaks you up into those categories. The goal of critical theory is to liberate the quote and oppress people from physical and economic oppression, but th- it doesn't stop with that though. Yeah, because that's okay. Yeah, to liberate people from from social oppression and economic oppression, physical oppression. Mm-hmm. We don't want to be you know hunting people down and hurting them, or or knowing right, of, of people being harmed. Well, that's why we're against abortion, right? Because human yeah, beings yeah. are literally systematically being killed. Of course, in the yeah. womb. That's oppression because of they don't have the power to defend themselves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then, but the thing is though, is critical critical theory doesn't just stop at that. It wants to liberate the oppressed from oppressive cultural ideas and values. And Mm. so, uh, yeah. So Robbie, if you kind of want to get into that a little bit more, but yeah, it's kind of, it wants to take that away. Yeah. And so this is where it gets really interesting is the, the, so the goal of critical theory is to liberate the oppressed Mm -hmm. from what they deem as oppressive cultural ideas and values. It is. So, and this is where it's really important for us to understand. Um, not all critical theorists today are Marxists. However, critical theory as a discipline of study did stem from Marxism, Mm. uh, in the Frankfurt school back in the thirties. This is when they started to develop it. And it's helped me understand this a little bit with, um, Marxism, as many people know, or, you know, it's kind of a communist idea. Yeah. But Marxism, when it was played out, um, politically, it really was dealing with economic power and taking, uh, economics and evenly distributing money and goods to everybody. Um, critical theory is a Marxist idea, but it's not about economics. It's about social, uh, norms and society at large, how society works together in culture. So it's not just about economics, but it's the Marxist side of social norms. And so what they're doing, like you said, in splitting people into these two groups, mm. oppressed and oppressor, um, this really promotes a false belief in human identity because what they're doing is they're identifying human beings strictly according to the group you belong to. They're yeah, categorizing yeah. people into groups. And this is this is completely foreign to Christianity, mm. right? And, and the reason they do this is because Marxism is grounded in atheism. It's grounded in the belief that there is no God and we have to figure out how things are working here devoid of the supernatural. And so with that assumption, human beings are categorized according to groups. And that's, that's what they're doing. Oppressed and oppressor. And you are in one of the two categories according to which groups you fit in with as a human yeah, being. Yeah, right. And, and that's, that's what's interesting is uh, what the definition of oppressed and oppressor is. Yeah, so how, how do they theory. decide who's oppressed that's, and that's, who's the oppressor? That's the question, right? And so uh, the traditional definition of oppression is unjust or cruel treatment by authority or power. Okay. Yeah, and that makes sense. We've seen this in history, right? We've yeah, seen yeah, people course. in authority um, mistreating others. I mean, you even think going back to uh, the Egyptians and the Israelites, right? Yeah, yeah. They were, they were forcing them to be slaves and, and harming mm-hmm. them and not giving them um, what was fair. Um, even in our culture, in, in, our, in, our, um, in our country's history, yeah, we've seen yeah. slavery. That, w- that was oppression 
over people and cruel was. treatment of people because someone was in authority or power. Exactly. And so, so yeah, that's the traditional definition of it. And right, we're, right. We, we are against that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But the uh, see, the critical theory definition of oppression is called. Uh, I'm gonna try to say this. You right. can do hegemonic it. Hegemonic power. Yep, hegemonic. Hegemonic That's power, it. which means the social ability of a dominant group in a society uh, is to normalize their values and expectations to on the rest of society. Yep. And so uh, this means that racism, sexism, uh, cisgenderism, heterosexuality, etc. They're all oppressive. Yep. And now the the reason why is because it's that's what the societal norm is. And the dominant groups are mostly those things. Mm-hmm. Therefore, they are the oppressors. Exactly. And that, yes. that, that's, that is how critical theory defines that. And if you want to break down that just a little bit more. Yeah. Great. yeah. Yeah. So the oppressors in a society, again, are those who have imposed their norms and their values on the rest of their culture. Mm, yeah. So yeah. really what it comes down to is whatever the majority is, according to critical theory, whatever the majority is, they're the oppressors. And they're assuming that they have forced their um, norms on the rest of the society. See, this is all an assumption, but that's, really that's what they're claiming. So the oppressed are not those, um, the, the people who are oppressed are those who aren't uh, in positions of power or those who aren't um, in the majority of, of categories. They're by not because they've done anything or really anything's been done to them, just because they're in that category or that group, they are oppressors. Exactly. It's very selective. It is. And so here's here's a way to think about it. <clears throat> so like the the um critical theorists would say that females are oppressed by male dominance in our culture. Mm. So men um, are the dominant normative cultural um, authority and women have been pushed down. Okay, so critical theorists like us would be against somebody uh, sexually um, uh, abusing a female, right? Or sexually harassing a female. We'd all be against that because that is wrong. But they're not that's not what they're saying here. What what they're getting at is the societal structure of our culture is uh, oppressive to women. And they would include things like the patriarchy in the family and traditional uh, family and marriage roles. They would say those things are oppressive to women, this idea that the man is the provider and the woman stays home and takes care of kids. That has got to go. And, and what they're pushing is where that came from was it's a story that men have told in order to retain power. And mm-hmm. so it's not just about individual mistreatment of people. It's about structures in society that are set up that they think are oppressive and need to be uh, yeah. overthrown. And so this is where it gets weird because we would say, well, God's kind of the one who set up the family structure in Genesis 3. Yeah, exactly. You know, with the cursing on Adam and Eve. And so really they're attacking how God has set up so- social constructs, not... Not, it, uh, but but they're yeah, but they're saying God doesn't really exist, right? So they're just viewing it purely from a humanistic standpoint. Exactly, and that's where that's where this you got to keep reminding you guys about this. It, this theory, critical theory, assumes atheism. It assumes that there is no God, and that's something that is very embedded into uh, 
what it is, right? Mm-hmm. Like the whole aspect of it is counter scripture, counter Christianity. Yes. And that's not, and, and there's no yeah. law, there's no morality. No, it's so, so really it's very subjective actually. Yeah. So what they're doing is, so it, liberation is even kind of funny because that is a, uh, virtue mm-hmm. word, but according to this, based on atheism, there is no virtues or vices. It just is what is. Exactly. So really this just becomes a way for <laughs> minority structures to overthrow majority structures. Right, right. right? And that's that's all that this is. And it so is. But but let's keep talking cuz there's so much dude we could yeah, there's we can, so much to this. We could go so on a lot with this. So let's, uh, next, let's talk about the next subject. Yeah, the next subject I'm going to discuss with this is intersectionality, okay? Yeah. Uh, so the interesting uh, sorry, what this is, it's the intersecting of power relations, the in, in individuals, okay? Mm-hmm. So in our culture men are oppressors as you were saying to yes, this theory because they're the dominant um, uh, authority or power yeah, structure uh, of the traditional so men role. have yep. oppressed women. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then heterosexuals are oppressors because homosexuals are oppressed. And that's, that's not be- the reason they say this again, that's because it, heterosexuality is the norm is the dominant so, majority. Yeah. Yeah. Dominant majority. Yes. So that would make the homosexuals oppressed. Uh, cisgenders are oppressors which makes transgenders oppressed. Yeah, so people Again. who identify with their biological sex are the norm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And the transgenders are the extreme minority, therefore they're the oppressed yeah. and the cisgender are the oppressors. <laughs> it really is the extreme minority as you said. Um and then white oppressors, black oppressed, right? That's kind of the idea of it. And you could get this able body oppressors versus physically handicapped people and yep. so on and so on. Like we could go on with multiple lists. This isn't j- just all that there is to it. Yeah. But. So they categorize people into all these groups. Exactly. But the problem becomes this Tyler. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't only belong to one of these groups. I belong to all of these groups exactly. in different ways. You do, right? You're a white person. Yes. You are a I'm, male. I'm a male. You're heterosexual. Heterosexual. And you're, you're, Natural born gender. I'm my natural born gender. I'm cisgender. Oh, and, and you're able bodied. And I'm able bodied. So you're the, I'm you're not the most oppressively person out there. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That that's exactly yeah, it. Exactly. I am the uh-huh. I am the most oppressive person out there. Now, who right. would be somebody that would be less oppressive than me, but still oppressive? But still oppressive. Okay. Uh, a black woman, mm-hmm. but who is still heterosexual. And uh, still identifies as their given gender mm-hmm. and is uh, not physically handicapped. Okay, so she would be oppressed in her race uh-huh. and her gender, being female. Right. There but you go. not oppressed in her sexuality nope. or her physical abilities. According to or this. Or her cisgender. Right. So so this, this is, they call it intersectionality. Yeah. And so... So they're categorizing people according to what groups you belong to, saying which one of which aspect of you is oppressed, which aspect of you is oppressor. Yeah, and it's it's crazy because uh, as we just demonstrated to you, um, the different levels of oppression Mm -hmm. that they that they define, it's almost like a point system. It really is. It is. It's like it's insane to me. It's baffling because your oppression. Is determined based off of how many of those categories you fit in or not, and yeah. that's insane to me. So, or if you're an oppressor, which by to them that's like uh, this is essentially making out uh, what they define as oppressors to be a horrendous evil. Yes, that's what it's becoming. Well, yeah. and, and and again, you got to remember what their definition of oppression is, right? Right. It's yeah. not just treating people cruelly because you can. It's these structures in society. 
It's is, you have to change just who you are, not even if you're trying to make other people do anything. And you might not have ever done anything wrong, exactly. Tyler, but you are part of the system, therefore you're part of the or, problem. Even a step further, not even that you might have never done anything wrong, but you might have never even gone out of your way to tell other people that they're wrong for doing other things. Mm -hmm. You could just be who you are, Robbie, the white heterosexual male that you are, yep. who, you know, all who fits all those categories, never have reached out to anyone and said uh, like anything counter to the critical theory. Yes. And yet you are still one of the most horrendous, immoral people because you just fit into that category. Because I'm not, because I'm part of the structure. Exactly. That's what they're saying. So everything's yeah. about group structure, right, social right. constructs. And um, this is where you get even like, you know, a while ago people were saying it's not enough just to be not racist. You have to become anti-racist. Like what Remember does that, that even mean? That's well, the crazy yeah, thing. It's well, like, yeah. And that, so that's where, again, um, they're trying to yeah. use this to to change the the power uh, to overthrow structures mm -hmm. with new structures. Basically. Exactly, because you got to think about that. They're the ones who are defining this. Yeah. They don't get it from any like this group of people or the person who wrote the book, like these yeah. books and stuff. Over time, they came up with the standard for who is oppressed, mm -hmm. and all like because think about it. If they get their way, ultimately, what does this lead to? It leads to a different form of oppressors by their yeah. definition, because now maybe they have everyone in the world. The majority yeah. is a black, uh, female, transgender, handicapped, homosexual, person, homosexual yeah. handicap. And then they'd be the dominant. Yeah. And Therefore, so now they'd they're be oppressing, oppressing their norms on us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so that you can see immediately just by what we've gone over, how flawed this is logically. It, it doesn't is. make sense with reality. No. Uh, and not even just like by biblical standards or whatever. This just doesn't make sense. It doesn't. It's a, it's a terrible theory. Um, and that's why we should still really emphasize the critical theory. Exactly. Part. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, so, but we want right. to get into this next part because intersectionality is that idea that you belong to all these different groups categorically because you have a race and you have a gender and you have yeah, a yeah. sexual orientation and all that stuff. And so you can be more or less oppressed depending on how many, like you said, the point system of how exactly. many it's so things dumb. you fit. Right. But why this is important <clears throat> is because of how they view access to truth. So, um, the, the, the critical theorists believe that the oppressed person has better access to truth than the oppressor. Yeah. Okay, the oppressed person has better access to truth than the oppressors. And so here's here's how they, they do that. They're saying that the people who are the oppressors are blinded by their, and, and I'm sure a lot of you have heard this, your privilege, right? We are white privilege. That was a big term going around for a while. You're blinded by, by your privilege to how things really are. And you need the oppressed person, whatever category they're in, the female, the homosexual, the, the black, the whatever, you need them to tell you what's really going on and what's truth because they have access to truth and the oppressors do not have access to truth. Yeah, that just seems like because you're blinded a, by privilege. That just seems like such a con to me because they're literally like, how do you refute someone saying that to you immediately uh, off the bat of saying you are blinded to your privilege and yeah. you can't know the truth <laughs> that I know? So it's like you like, can't. That's what I'm saying. Because if you say yeah. okay, because either you, either you play along. So this is this is what was happening. So like right. that book White Fragility. 
Humility, which is written by a white woman, which is really interesting. Yeah, of course. Um, <clears throat> in it, it basically says that <clears throat> when um, a white person is called a racist, immediately inside of them, there's this, no, I'm not. I've never done anything bad. And so, and it says, so that is a sign of their white fragility. Therefore, they are racist because of that that reaction. So you've got two choices. Yeah. You either react and say, that isn't true. I'm not, which proves you are. Or you admit that you are, which proves that you are. So you don't win in that no. regardless. It's either just, way, you, you have to admit you, you are. You are a racist. The, the deck <laughs> is stacked is. against you in critical theory. And you see like the, the inconsistency logically with this. It doesn't make sense because no. it, anyone can do that and come about up anything. to you. Sure. Yeah, about anything and come up to you and say, hey, look, you, you are blinded by this privilege thing that you were dealing you, with. And I'm going to tell you why. Yeah you're wrong and you can't refute it. And if you do disagree with me or refute it, it's just because you have privilege. It just reinforces that you are. So yeah, yeah, this idea makes no sense. But that's a big point with this whole critical theory thing is Mm -hmm. that the oppressed person has better access to truth than the oppressors. Yes. So uh, a woman, because of her social inequality, has more access to truth than a man does. A homosexual has more access to truth than a heterosexual does. So that's where the intersectionality thing gets interesting. So a homosexual woman would have more access to truth and reality than a homosexual man because Mm -hmm. the woman is oppressed in her womanhood and in her sexuality, whereas the homosexual man isn't oppressed in his uh, manhood. He's only oppressed in his yeah. homosexuality. So you see how silly all of this gets. So, so you get to a point where the disabled black heterosexual man, um, is oppressed in his disability and race, but isn't oppressed in his sexuality and as being a man. Right. So like yeah. you said, it gets to this point system on who we now, uh, allow to inform us to what's true and real. And that gets mm-hmm. to the next point. So, so you have intersectionality. You have these categories of oppressed oppressor. The oppressors have more access to truth, and it's not because of uh, logic and reason. It's because of experience. I have had the female experience. I have had the black experience. I have had the homosexual experience. Therefore, I know more than you do. It's experience based. So why, Tyler, what's the next step in this progression? So they have more Mm -hmm. access to truth, and then where do we go from there? Yes, well, according to critical theory, the oppressors need to listen and accept what the oppressed tell them reality is. So not only, so that's exactly what happens here. They're saying, look, the only way out of this and what needs to happen next is the oppressors have to listen. That's what what it comes down to. Because they can't even know truth. Yeah, exactly. You're so blinded, you can't even access it. So your (laughs) only hope is to listen to the oppressed, tell you what's happening. Yeah, and so uh, that's that's such a funny point that you make right there. On one end, they're saying you can't understand all of this because of your privilege, but you can only understand it if you hear it from me. Yeah. That's, it's just so... Well, it depends on who the me is, Exactly, yeah, 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 yeah. If you're... Because, yeah, like you said, the person who wrote the book you just mentioned was a white person. Yeah, well, and and that's where it gets crazy. So, but she was a woman, right? So according to this, she's she's partially oppressed. There you go. But but then you get to the point where I've seen people along these lines of thinking say, you know, math is a social construct by the dominant culture. Two plus two is four. That's oppressive. What? 
What are we talking about right now? I mean, it gets to that. I've point actually heard where of people that. are really saying have. these types of things. Um, where grammar, right? The the proper um, writing of of uh, letters and words and sentences and uh, punctuation is a is a oppressive. It, to construct. me, that just sounds like the people who are making this up. They were in high school and they you know they got a bad grade on a math test. Yeah, like, well, hey, you know that's oppression. I mean, it sounds I like my that. Test. But the funniest so. part of it all is how silly it is because they're using grammar and words we all have agreed upon to communicate the idea that those things are oppressive. It's, it's, it's nonsense, right? It's absolutely But, but that's where it gets to. So now the only way for the oppressed, the oppressors to access truth is to listen to the experience of the oppressors. And now Tyler, didn't we see this happening a lot this oh, past yeah. year in regards to race in a lot of evangelical churches in America? Yeah, it, it just turned into... That, that's kind of what happens, right? Like, and that's what happened a lot mm -hmm. uh, throughout the whole country is it was like, in order for you to listen and understand what's going on, mm -hmm. you have to hear from uh, somebody a, of, of uh, a different race. Yeah. And, and exactly. not, not just because, again, as Christians, listen, uh, we cannot deny that racism exists. Of, of course, course it does. Of and it's a it horrendous does. evil. Uh, we can't yeah. deny any type of... of uh, <laughs> Um, favoritism, because that's what it is. It's Absolutely. favoritism, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and Jesus' brother James speaks against this. Mm -hmm. He says, don't show favoritism to people, right? Don't, don't, just because somebody comes in all dressed right, really nice, right. don't give them a seat at the head of the table. None of, there's no importance, less importance based on class or socioeconomics. Mm -hmm. You're all one in Christ. That's the idea. All people are created equal in the, in the image of God and, and yeah. are equal, yeah. especially as Christians, we're, we're, we're one in Christ. And so, this idea of favoritism um, can go any way, but what we were seeing this last year was a lot. I know a lot of churches, even in here in the Phoenix area, they took this posture of I, as a white person, can't understand what racism is. So I need to have a black person come on stage and school me on what's actually happening. And now again, I know a lot yeah. of churches who did it well and said, hey, let's have a conversation about the tensions. And I, I don't know what you have gone through as an individual. So let's talk about that. And how can we as the church come alongside and help to end this this favoritism? Yeah, right, right. right. This, this type of favoritism. But a lot of churches, that's they took the critical theory posture. Well, they did. You're right. I've, <clears throat> I've seen churches at that time that had come up and it was... It was crazy. It was like they would have someone come on stage and deliberately tell the congregation, hey, this is how you cannot be racist and stuff. And it was like, yeah. and you can, I know this from my experiences and maybe they do, but and like, that's the thing that, but the, the point to all this, Robbie, that we're getting at is not all people have the same experiences just because they're, they belong yes. in one of these systems. And, and that's the thing. And, and like, like you, you'd mentioned it before, but mm -hmm. like, um, uh, like uh, for, for me too, like I grew up in suburban Arizona, right? Yeah. Uh, although I'm white, so that's different. Yeah. Like, uh, well, let's, let's just use you an example. Yeah, so yeah. you are a white man who grew up in suburban Arizona yeah. outside of the city, right? Uh-huh. <clears throat> and now let's talk about a white man who grew up on a farm in Iowa. Did yeah. you guys have the same experience growing up? No, not at all. So yeah. the white male experience is different. It absolutely depending is. Depending on that. where you are. Yeah, of course. And that's that's the point of this is this idea that um, the, the black experience in America or the female experience in America or the male experience or the white experience yeah, or yeah. whatever is this big word monolithic that it's the same across the board. 
That is a that is a fable. That is a lie. Mm. It's not. All of us have individual different experiences, right? I mean, a, a, a black person who grows up in inner city Compton mm-hmm. has a different experience mm. than a black person who grows up in Omaha, Nebraska. Yeah, it's different. It's not the yeah. same. But they're both black, <laughs> or like you and the guy you know in Iowa. I, You're yeah. both white, right? So, but there's not this one size fits all experience because we're all individuals, mm-hmm. and so there is no the female experience in America. <laughs> there are many females who experience life in America. The black experience in America. There are many black people who experience life. So there's not this one size fits all category thing, mm. and that that's a big part of of critical theory is they're trying to categorize the groups as if they're all one note in the same and within the group there's so much diversity so it's kind of a, a yeah. losing battle right it, it really is it's in the same way it's like you said like you it, this is kind of what it falls back into it's you can't tell them otherwise like, uh, yeah. because they say that you're blinded because you haven't been through what they've experienced but they haven't experienced the same things exactly. as each other. Exactly. Men haven't experienced all the same things as each other. Women haven't experienced all no, the same things as each other. No, of course not. So that, that whole idea it's, that it's fact, based it's, on your experience is crazy. In fact, it's pretty rare. I mean, I, I, mean, I shouldn't say pretty rare. But what I will say is it, it's pretty common. That's what I should mm-hmm. say, actually. To have um, two people grow up in the same... Like, like to have two black guys, uh, black males grow mm-hmm. up uh, in inner city Compton sure. to each have a different experience of what their life was like. Living of course there. you're not going to get a cookie cutter experience no. what from about every Tyler? single person. Tyler, you have, you have two brothers and two sisters. Yeah. Yeah. You guys grew up in the same house. Do you all have the same oh, experience? No. Absolutely it, no. not. Like, no. Cause I, I mean like some of my siblings, I'm, I'm quite older then. So like yeah. there's a bit of a di- age gap to where they grew up having different things in their life than mm-hmm. what I had or vice versa. Yeah. And so it's and we're like, both the oldest, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah so, yeah. okay. Right. Here's, here's one difference between my siblings. Cause I'm not, I'm, I'm not that much older than both of my siblings. We're sure. all within three and a half years. Yeah. Of that's, each other, a, that's how I am too, but I'm the yeah. oldest. Right. So I had a different experience in our family structure because I was the first one doing anything as a kid. And so my parents were somewhat, sometimes I could do more. And sometimes they were more cautious because exactly. I was the first. Yeah. So like I remember when I was learning to drive and I couldn't <laughs> drive down to the city to see my friends because like, no, nah, you're just, you're only 16. You're just learning. But then my brother turns 16. It's like the next day he's driving down to the city. Yeah, and right, I'm like, right. how's that fair? And my parents were like, yeah, we just learned it wasn't that big of a deal. <laughs> so, so I didn't have yeah, the right. same. Right. And so to so this idea that depending on your group, you have this shared experience. It's not. It's not true, right? And so let, let's get into talking about um, apologetic yeah. arguments against critical theory, okay? <laughs> so the first one that I want to talk about is that all human beings have equal access to the truth. All human beings mm-hmm. have equal access to the truth and have equal access to reality. Now, there is no doubt about it that power can corrupt people. And that our sin can blind us to things. And we all have blind spots in our lives. But that's not just the supposed oppressors who have that. The oppressed also have these blind spots and sin issues. And we we all have that as humans. But we all have the same access to the truth. Christianity believes, and we've talked about this a ton on this podcast, that objective truth exists. It's not something we create. It's something we discover. Truth is really out there for us to go understand. It's knowable. Yeah. And we can discover truth how? Through reason, through logic, 
through God's revealed word in scripture and through God's revealed revelation in nature, right? right Natural yeah. theology, special theology, right? All of those things. Revealed um, scripture and the book of nature that God wrote. So critical theory claiming that truth is only really knowable by the oppressed in society is completely false. It's completely false. Um, And and this is where it starts to fall apart. So have you seen it where, um, let's say a black woman will disagree with critical theory? And when she disagrees, so so she's a female and she's a woman. Mm -hmm. So she's oppressed in those two categories according to their ideology. Yeah. But she disagrees with critical theory and says, no, that's bogus. Everybody has access to truth. What the critical theorists do is they condemn her as, well, you don't really understand what's going on. Wait a second. I thought she was in the position to understand what was going on. But now she really doesn't understand what's going on. And I've heard people say stuff like she, she has a, you know, a black skin on the outside, but she has a white mind on the inside. She is believed the white oppressive male structure. It is baffling to me how racist that that actually is. It's horrible. That is racist in itself. And that's, that's really what it is. You can't get around that. It is by telling someone like that, Hey, you don't, you can't understand this, Yeah, but but, uh, because you don't agree with my opinion, then you don't know what's going on. You're not your own race. You're a different race on the inside. It's crazy. It's horrible to say, but I've seen people say that in all these different categories. And so really what it breaks down to is if you don't agree with critical theory, you can't know the truth. (laughs) Yeah. Wait a second here. Like, are are you, are you kidding me? So it becomes, as long as you agree with us, you're okay. That's when you disagree with us, we're going to call you names. It's insane, dude. It breaks down on so many levels, but it is become this, this cultural Kool-Aid that everyone's drinking lately in, in different areas. If, if first I remember reading about critical theory in regards to homosexuality (laughs) and how that became normalized, right? Yeah. Through critical theory ideas and we're the oppressed and the appeal to pity feel bad for us. We just want what everyone else has. Yeah. Right. right? The, the equal thing. And yeah. That. Yeah. That's, that's how that they campaign. did it. It's this idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it's, it's in regards to race. It's in regards to transgender individuals, but we have got to understand as Christians, all human beings have equal access to the truth. Mm. Yeah. Right. It, Absolutely. N- there is not because, because think about this, Tyler, <laughs> This whole thing is is saying how you can overthrow oppression and be liberated. But the, the method they're implying is that you have to show you are actually superior to the oppressors. So it's not equality, right? You're Absolutely superior not. to yeah, them. You have access does. to the truth that they can't even yeah, understand. It's, it's really funny. I, I swear. It's prejudice. It's prejudice yeah. in its very nature. So it's it saying is. the way to attack prejudice, pre, prejud, is that how you say it? Yeah, pre, yeah. Prejudice is with more prejudice. That's exactly really? what it is. is. That, well, and, and see, this is so opposite the way of Jesus, where we don't sow prejudice based on we are all equal in Christ. We are all equal in God's image. We're, we're created in his image. And the way to help people understand their prejudice is to love them. Love mm-hmm. your enemies as yourself, not repay prejudice with prejudice. Yeah, right. It's, so, so this whole thing is just crazy. So point number one, we all have equal access to the truth, and it doesn't depend on your race, your gender, your sexuality, your uh, physical abilities. Yeah. It doesn't well, depend well, on any of that. Well, that's the thing. And that's another reason, too, why I, I've been saying like this is very counter to 
Christian theology and the Christian mm-hmm. idea. If you're a Christian, you should not believe in critical theory. This does not no. make sense with no. what Scripture teaches, because Scripture is in regard to human beings, uh, teaches that all humans have the same identity created yes. in the image of God, Imago Dei. Uh, all are sinful and deal with different not aspects. Not just some are yeah. sinful, and so it's all not, are sinful. It's not sinful. a matter of uh, some oppressors, some oppress. Everyone's to some degree by that crazy definition and uh, is dealing with sin, yeah. dealing with this and causing harm to other people because of the curse. And to get out of that, we need Jesus. All human beings need Jesus. And that yeah. is what scripture teaches. Well, and that's, right? that's where it's important. So our, if our identity, but again, yeah. we got to go back to it's, this is founded in Marxist ideology. So there is no God. Right. So yeah. you can't have, you really can't have an equality mindset. Unless mm. you all are actually equal based on something. Yeah, the equality aspect of this is a joke. They're not after equality. It's They're not, after a flip in power. That's what it because is. Because they can't they can't ground equality in anything. No, absolutely. We can ground it in we're all made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. And we can also understand where the problem's coming from in that we're all sinful. I heard a guy one time yeah. say that that human beings are fascinating because at the same time we are the victims of sin. We are also the perpetrators of sin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the problem yeah. runs in me mm-hmm. against me. Right? Yeah, right, it's, right. I mean, right. so so this idea of sin is is fascinating, Tyler, because um, the real problem of oppression is sin, and it happens from without. Like other people are sinful towards me, and there can be structures set up that are sinful in nature. Right? Like you think about like okay, um, is there a structural? Uh, evil in the world. Yes, it's called Hollywood. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. But think about it. They're promoting immoral ideology a lot of the time, right? Yeah. That is a structure set up to promote worldly <laughs> ideas, not godly ideas. Yeah, and there's tons. There's and there's tons of and there's a like lot that. of things like that. So we we can't say that humans can't set up sinful structures, but the problem isn't necessarily just the structure; it's the individuals who are behind it. It's yeah. the sin in each one of us, and so it doesn't matter if I am a man or a woman or I'm black or I'm white or whatever. <clears throat> I have a sin problem within me, and other people oppress me with their sin at times. Yeah, yeah. But dude, I oppress myself with my sin too. Mm-hmm. That's I true. can enslave myself to my own sin. Yeah, and right. so the problem is on the inside of me. It's not something that's out there and there's oppressed and oppressor. All of us are both of those things when exactly. it comes to sin. <laughs> We're both oppressed and the oppressors. Exactly. And then uh, just continuing on to with that, uh, going off of uh, what you said, uh, again, just constantly repeating this idea. Critical theory is so against Christianity. Yep. Um, and then I wanted to share the passage, uh, Galatians 3, 26 to 28 says for all, uh, for you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female mm. for you are all one in Christ. Galatians uh, 3.26.28. And so what that talks about, it's compared in our society. Same thing, right? Like we, there is no, uh, man and woman. There is no, uh, black and white. Like it's, we are all one under Christ and And that's that's what what scripture teaches. Yeah. And this is getting to, again, there are distinctions 
between men and women. Absolutely. And there are distinctions between black and, and white. Even back and there, then, are, there was a difference of, of Jew and Greek and yes. right, slave, slave and free, free male and female. But what he's getting at is your core identity of who you actually are is in Christ. Mm-hmm. And these distinctions on the outside really don't affect the affinity you have for one another because you're one in Christ. Right. Your core yeah. identity is who we are in the Lord, right? Yeah. I love too, um, Paul, in another letter in Philippians mm-hmm. 3, 4 through 8. This is so cool. And you pointed this out to me. Um, this, is, this is such a great passage. Let me read it and then we'll talk about it. <laughs> Philippians 3, 4 through 8 says, Although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh, if anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness, which is in the law, found blameless. But whatever the things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ. Hmm. So this is so cool. He he explains his social background, yeah. his ethnic background, mm-hmm. and then also his actions of what he did, right? Yeah. He yeah. was from the right tribe of the right nation of people. He was a persecutor of the church because he was zealous for the Lord. Mm-hmm. He followed the law and how he acted. Those are all these groups. Yeah, this fits into the categories that critical theory has, right? Yeah. He's under the right people group, the tribe of Benjamin. Mm-hmm. He's under the uh, the people... Um, like, like we were saying before, he was zealous for the law. He followed the law to a T and he, he belonged he, to the Pharisee, he, Pharisaical group. Yeah, right? exactly. Like he was in the right group. He's that's a man too. And he's he's a man, not yeah. a woman and that's a patriarchal culture. So if he was female, he couldn't have done all the things <laughs> yeah, he was doing. Right, right. Right. And he says, I count this all loss. I suffer loss for this. This is nothing to me compared to knowing Christ compared to being one in Christ. And then at the very end of it, he says, I count them all, but, and uh, we translate it rubbish mm-hmm. in Philippians 3, right? Um, this is one of my favorite Greek words. It's the word scubala. <laughs> Isn't that an awesome word? Scubala. This is the only yeah, place in yeah. the New Testament where it's used. And I'll never forget my Greek professor at Phoenix Seminary. He said that scubala, we, we'll translate it as like dung or rubbish. Huh. And he said, but really the emphasis of it in the culture would be like in a really stuffy church 40 years ago, getting up on stage, you know, with everybody wearing suits mm. and, and, you know, he said it, it would be like the effect of saying crap from the pulpit. It's not really like the worst bad word, but it's kind of a bad word in that context, in that culture. It's, he yeah. said, that's what he's saying. This is supposed to punch you and go, whoa, Paul, take, take it easy, man. I count it all but crap. In compared with knowing Christ, no, my ethnicity, my tribal distinctions, mm. my accomplishments, it's yeah, it, Christ yeah. is it. And so this is the Christian ethic. This is our Christian identity. Mm. It's not found in these, in these other groupings and these other frivolous things that, uh, that are real, but aren't at the core of who we are in Christ. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Another problem that we've got with CT is this idea of the their meta narrative, right? And we've talked about this when it comes to uh, relativism and uh, true for you, not true for me, that kind of stuff. But 
because they started with this atheistic ideology, this Marxist ideology, so there is no God, they assume God doesn't exist. The, what they see happening is that any story given in a society is given so people can gain power. So they view the Christian story as fake news. It's completely wrong. Yeah, right. But it's this powerful story that has got people to control other people. Yeah, and so they, they think we shouldn't I've have these. We need to have equality. The problem is we don't believe that it is merely a story that's told to control. We believe it's actually the real story. It's what's really true. Yeah, it is the meta narrative we all find ourselves and the, in. The irony in this again. Yeah, like that's again. It's contradicting itself by calling that something that is a narrative that's out for control because that's literally what critical theory is. Well, that's the thing. But that's what they, <laughs> that's all they think there is. So yeah, in right. saying we need to have equality where there's no one story oppressing smaller groups. Oh, really? No kidding. This is a story that's trying to oppress other groups. Yeah, that's exactly that's what critical theory is doing. That's the irony. Critical theories, yeah. meta-narrative. Why are we supposed to believe their story about what's really yeah, happening? Yeah, They're saying there there is no story that's really happening, but believe our story that's really happening. That's exactly and here's how it works. It. That's it's exactly so, it. It's uh, so, this is called, again, in logic, it's called a contradiction, right? <laughs> It yep. contradicts itself. Um, and so it's self-refuting. But they would say, well, that's just you using your oppressive language to keep us that, down. That would say. But again, why do I have to believe that meta-narrative? It, it doesn't make sense. So that idea, too, is also just completely flawed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another aspect of this that we wanted to touch on, too, just to wrap things up, is uh, sin and responsibility, right? Yeah, we, sin we touched and on this a little bit. But uh, biblically, the source of oppression is sin, right? Yes. And again, we, we talked about this already in uh, length, but... All oppression stemmed from sin. Yeah, all human beings are sinful. Uh, yet, Scripture calls us to be responsible for the individual sins we each commit. So, the individual sins we yeah, commit. Now listen, yeah. and I want to mention something, because you got some verses to read. Of course, but Before yeah. you read those, I want to say this, because some people will read um, passages in the uh, Old and New Testament about Israel having a corporate repentance, right? They come together, and if you'll repent and turn back to me, I will show you blessing and favor. That's what God said. Right. That is under the Mosaic Covenant. And God's covenant people, under the Israelites, under the theophany that God was controlling things, right? right. They are uh, under a contract with God in the Old Testament or the Mosaic Covenant. And he told them, if you follow me, I'll bless you and I'll send rain and the land will be fruitful. And if you stop following me, I'm going to withhold rain and it won't be fruitful. And that's to wake you up mm. to follow me. And if you don't follow me for a long time, I'm going to send foreign armies in to take you back to their country. Yeah. Right? And that's exactly what happened to Israel. So this corporate repentance that you see of Israel is about their turning from God and, and breaking this contract that they had with him. Mm, yeah. So when people try to take that and equate it to we as New Testament believers or as society at large should have corporate repentance for things done hundreds of years ago. It's not the same thing. It's absolutely And not. scripture actually speaks to this, what we're responsible for in our own lives when it comes to sin. And you mm -hmm. got some passages. Yeah, about yeah, of course. So first I'm going to share from Deuteronomy 24, 16. It says, fathers shall not be put to death for their sons, nor shall sons be put to death for their fathers. Everyone shall be put to death for his own sin. 
Isn't that powerful? That's it really powerful. Is. It really is. Especially I, uh, just the way it flips that to everyone, right, yeah. will be put to death. Doesn't matter so, if it's so kids past, can't present. be culpable for their father's sin. Yeah, exactly. And fathers aren't aren't responsible to take the punishment for their son's sins. Exactly. And we still mm-hmm. believe this in our judicial system, right? Of course we do. Like if, if, if a man, could you, could you imagine how completely <laughs> unjust this would be? If a man goes out and you know, he, uh, he robs a bank armed robbery. Yeah. He gets in a car, he runs over a couple people on the road. Yeah. Purposefully. Yeah. some mm-hmm. manslaughter. Um, and then they catch him and they say, you know how we're going to punish you is we are going to give your son uh, a lethal injection and kill him. Well, wait, wait, what? Yeah. The son right. didn't do any of this. He was at home, right? Mm-hmm. How is he culpable? So, so yeah. I'm with the Bible on this. Or, this makes sense. If, this is just the contrast. Say it's the son who went and did that and like yeah. robbed the bank and did all that. And then they said, Hey, they talked to the father and they say, Hey, because you raised him in the, the wrong direction or something yeah. you did while parenting him, you screwed up. So we're going to, we're going to punish you for that. And for we never, we don't ever do that. Yeah. That's so, it doesn't make it's any unjust. sense. And you can see why Like yes. everyone can understand why that's not justice. And so God's view is individual right. sin is what we're responsible for. Exactly. So this idea of corporate (laughs) repentance of things done in the past that Mm -hmm. you didn't do, no matter what group it comes to, uh, mistreatment of women, racism, um, abuse of people of different sexual orientation, whatever it is, you know, um, uh, abuse of um, disabled people, mentally or physically disabled people, you're responsible if you sinned against any one of those people. You're not responsible because other human beings in a group you belong to in some way was wrong in the past. Yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't think that's biblical. <laughs> now, I think that there are hurts and I think that there have been big issues in the past and there have been sin problems in our country and in every country, in every part of the world. I mean, I went to Rwanda a couple of years mm-hmm. ago. You talk about a real sin issue and genocide. That yeah. happened where the yeah. where the Hutus killed the Tutsis, right? With machetes, million people killed in a, in a couple of weeks by machete. Yeah, that's atrocious, right? But does a new kid who's born in in the Hutu, you know, clan that was born that's born now is he responsible for what happened in 1992? Absolutely not. I don't think so. Not biblically. Not no. biblically anyway, right. right? So that whole idea of groups need to make reparations or yeah. repent to other groups in the critical theory thing, I think it falls flat against what scripture teaches. Yeah. And then I'm also going to just end on this passage too. Well, t- mention it. First uh, Kings 14, five through six says, now it came about as soon as the kingdom was firmly in his hand that he killed his servants who had slain the king, his father. But the sons of the slayers, he did not put to death according to what is written in the book of the law of Moses, as the Lord commanded, saying, the fathers shall not be put to death for the sons, nor the sons be put to death for the fathers, but each shall be put to death for his own sin. So you see what that's saying and establishing is back then they followed this law, right? They understood that. That was the law. Like literally the passage we just read, Deuteronomy, that they quoted Deuteronomy in in, uh, first Kings. And they were saying like, yeah, we don't punish people for their past sins of their fathers, of their fathers. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Ezekiel chapter 18 also talks about mm-hmm. individual sin and individual righteousness. So we'd love for you to go read that on your own <laughs> yeah, sometime. Exactly. When was the last time you read Ezekiel 18, by the way? To be honest, right? 
I'm not asking you. I'm asking yeah, the viewers. Yeah, I'm like probably here. You probably should you know. go read it. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but but right. so so now it comes down to this, and this is where I think critical theory has got uh, an audience with a lot of Christians and a lot of churches. Is there are some virtuous things about it? The theory in and of itself is terrible, but the idea that racism is wrong, we agree with that. The idea yeah, that of mistreatment of women is wrong, of course we agree with that, yeah. right? Yeah. The, we, Christianity teaches that we shouldn't have prejudice towards anybody. Absolutely. Even our enemies, even people who are seeking to kill us, right? <laughs> even those who are persecuting us, we're supposed to love and pray for. Mm. And so we are against prejudice. And I, I think that we can find common ground with people pushing critical theory in the fact that, yes, we should be against prejudice, but we disagree with them on what the cause of it is. We disagree with them on what the cure for it is. We disagree with them on the assessment of the human being and identity. Pretty much everything about it we disagree with, except that there is this prejudice thing that's a problem. Mm, and yeah. so as Christians, we need to seek to do justice but this isn't justice. This is literally just a power play to overthrow mm -hmm. the current structure and establish a new power structure. Right. It's and, and it's not a true assessment of, <laughs> of how things are. People are more complex than of to course. break you up into categories you belong to. There's yeah. more to you, Tyler, than just your maleness or your whiteness or your right yeah, heterosexuality. Yeah. There's more to us than just these things. So essentially what I think, though, that this entire episode can be summarized on is that critical theory is a bunch of Scuba. Scubula. Scubula. Yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah, critical it's a bunch theory of scubula. is scubula. That's, That's for sure. what it is. So <laughs> thank you guys so much for joining us in this episode. Uh, we have some resources that we'll put in the show notes as yeah, well. Yeah, you got to check these go out. These. Yeah. Yeah, I want to I mention a few of mm -hmm. them. Probably not all of them, but I'm going to list a whole bunch of books in the show notes. You should probably get to read about this. But the one-stop shop for critical theory is a guy by the name of Neil Shenvey. And his uh, website is shenveyapologetics.com. That's S-H-E-N-V-I apologetics.com. We'll put it in the show notes. But he has been um, a voice about critical theory way before critical race theory became popular. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember studying him about um, the LGBTQ movement and how they use critical theory like 10 years ago. So go to his website. He's got a bunch of blog posts, articles, links to books, conversations. I mean, it, it is phenomenal. And then the second one you need to check out is the Center for Biblical Unity.com. Uh, there's a woman by the name of Monique Deuce in there, and she has left this ideology um, and, and kind of come out of this critical race theory mentality to speak against it. And she does such a great job with her co-host, Krista. They have a podcast. Mm. They have got blogs and articles, books. You need to go check out centerforbiblicalunity.com. Um, I know you will really gain a ton from Monique and Krista <laughs> and what they're talking about and what they're doing over there. Yeah. And so, uh, but yeah, that's super exciting. Lots of good stuff talked about today. Lots of yeah. bad stuff talked about today, yeah. but it's important that we discuss these things because again, uh, Ellen Christ culture and coffee, we've been about culture yes. and that's a very important aspect of this. It's embedded into our culture today and we have to address it as Christians and know what the truth is and to be able to talk about this with other people around us. So we do, uh, and then again, thank you guys so much for joining us on this episode of Christ culture and coffee. And as always, as I've been saying to the past few episodes, uh, if you you can please support Raw 
Bobby on his next outing that yes, he's about please. to experience. Uh, he needs more support, so please hop on that. Uh, we'll be including uh, the links in our bio and Instagram, and there's other methods you could find that as well. Would love that. I actually, I'll give a shout out to somebody. Yeah, who go right from ahead. the podcast just started supporting what I'm going to be doing at STR. Uh, Kristen Zarlingo and Ben Zarlingo. They uh, have supported me. Uh, she's uh, uh, his mom. He's uh, been in the military. He recently got baptized. Um, but she lives in Alaska. I think she was saying she lives like in her community. There's only 10 people. But they have Bible studies and they talk about apologetics. Wow. And, yeah, she's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. So really thankful for the two cool. of you. And hey, if any of you go out and support me, maybe I'll give you a shout out on a podcast in the future. Yeah, maybe. Look at that. Yeah, look at that. All right. Well, cool. Again, uh, thank you guys so much for joining us on this week of Christ, Culture, and Coffee. We'll be back next week with another episode. If you enjoyed the show and felt that this podcast was beneficial to you, please be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Also, if you become a Level 4 supporter on our Patreon page, you can get yourself one of our Stoneware, Christ, Culture, and Coffee mugs, as well as a t-shirt and a sticker. We are available on all podcasting platforms as well as YouTube, and we are also available on all social media platforms. Thanks so much for listening to Christ, Culture, and Coffee.